Okay. Well, hey, folks, Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the New York Times, a post-progressive view of the progressive paper of record. And that's what we do here every week at Friday at 11 Mountain Time and however it works in your time zone. Happy to have you with me live. And uh, let's get started. What I wanted to look at this week is the climate story, which is the big story of the week in that the IPCC um, put out a major new report on Monday and everybody has been following it, of course. And, um, you know, what's true from an integral perspective is that people are following it and interpreting it from the stage of development, from the worldview that they live in. And one of the theses of this podcast is that the New York Times is operating from a green progressive point of view. Uh, that's not to say it's bad. It, you know, integral is friendly to all, of, all worldviews and sees that the way forward is an integration of the, particularly the three major worldviews that can constitute the culture war which is progressive, green, we call it, modern, secular, orange, corporate, or traditional God and country people. And they all have a very different response to this climate story. The New York Times is coming, as I said, from green, and there's some qualities of the center of gravity of green postmodern uh, uh, consciousness and culture. One is, that green is world-centric. So there's a relationship that people have at, to their environment at every stage. There's like an ever-enlarging nest. Even animals keep their nests or dens clean. And we did too. And we kept our towns as clean as we could. And, and then sort of modernity got ahead of itself in the middle of the 20th century, creating all of this benefit in many ways, but also the exploitation, the coal burning, the brown cloud here in Denver when I moved here, the poisoned rivers of the um, Western Pennsylvania where I grew up in the middle of the Steel Valley in the 60s and 70s where they were releasing Coke ovens and all sorts of crap into the Great Lakes. And, and that got cleaned up during this sort of modern environmental movement uh, good old ladybird with don't be a litter bug was part of it. And it was fast, actually, and, and effective. And developed countries have, for the most part, done that uh, because people get, it, it, modern people are nation-centric. But the world-centric people see that the nest is actually the whole biosphere, the whole planet. And they see the limits of modernity and they see the uh, effects of the exploitation of modernity. They sometimes are blind to the benefits of it, but that's where they're coming from. And so that, that's one quality of that stage of consciousness. A second is that it has an increased sensitivity to the victims of uh, of modernity and the earlier stages, actually, and very much so in the case of this climate story, where well, this is um, uh, one of the uh, paragraphs from the lead story on the IPCC report. 
Leaders of vulnerable countries, as well as activists, said Monday's blistering United Nations report must galvanize global action, but major emitters are dragging their heels. The report prompted outrage among some of the world's most vulnerable countries whose leaders demanded that rich industrialized powers immediately reduce their planet warming pollution, compensate poor countries for the damage caused and helped fund their preparations for a perilous future. And that is what Green sees. That was not seen by modernity. We did not in the 60s or 70s have a particular sensitivity. Some people did, the, the you know, emerging green, but the masses had no sensitivity to the costs to the environment or to uh, you know other countries, which were often the, the 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 harms were exported. And then there's sort of a antipathy to modernity in general at green postmodern. Every stage sort of gets so sick of the previous one and sees you know all of the flaws of the previous one that that's part of the you know procreant urge forward. So this generalized critique of modernity, that it's soulless, that it's materialist, that it's exploitative, that it has sacrificed 50% of the natural world in pursuit of its commercial aims and the thrall of evil corporations, that, that sort of story really resonates with the readers of the New York Times. So we have headlines like, climate change is a hammer hitting us on the head, developing nations say. Is this the end of summer as we know it? Human behavior has plunged the earth into an everlasting summer. And then endless stories on the floods in Greece and Europe, the wildfires in California. And this becomes the big, you know, uh, uh, this is the narrative of the green postmodern worldview. That, keep in mind, this is not a critique of that. I think that you know, one of the things at Integral is we wanna see what's true and what's fundamentalist about every worldview. And take the goodies and run, <laughs> as Ram Dass used to say, take the teachings and run. Um, so anyway, uh, the uh, so there there is and and, and um, so that's the postmodern view of of the climate crisis as they put it, and um, and the New York Times is very much leading the charge there. I do see some integral flickerings that I'll get to in a minute, but that that's that's the green postmodern story. Now it is critiqued by the. Um, the, the modernists over at the Wall Street Journal, for instance. And the modernists or the orange meme, they, they're actually allergic to religion. They don't, they're, they got rid of religion from the traditionalists. You know, most of them became secular in some ways, at least in their hearts. And they're also allergic to the religion of green. And so they critique it as, you know, uh, the, the, in fact, here's a, um, the, the, here, here's, a, here's a story in the New York Times called Five Takeaways from the IPCC. One, this is the five takeaways. Human influence has unequivocally warmed the planet. Two, climate science is getting better and more precise. Three, we are locked into 30 years of worse, worsening climate impacts no matter what the world does. Four, 
climate changes are happening rapidly. And five, there's still a window in which humans could alter the climate path. And I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, it, and it does remind me of the Four Noble Truths of Buddhism, that life is suffering, we cause our suffering ourselves, we can end our suffering, and this is the path that leads to that. And of course, the religion, all, from an integral perspective, we actually want to be pro-religion in the sense that the integral project is the project of integrating not just postmodern, modern, and traditionalists, but also the mythic stages and magic stages of, of tribal indigenous people, that those strata of development are still in our psyches. We can feel them in our bellies. And a modern story of facts and rationality isn't enough for human beings. And so we want to, as, as integralists, we want to be friendly to the religions of all of the previous stages. You, could, you might even argue that modernity's religion is rationality. Fair enough. I mean, it's, it's the sort of central organizing principle. And so we, um, so the, the religion of green or the religion of post-modernity is the, what we would call in shorthand, the religion of Gaia. Okay, it's this idea that we live in this beautiful earth. Again, we're world-centric, we see the whole planet and humans are befouling the nest. And indeed humans are a cancer on the planet and we have sinned and we are headed to hellfire and damnation. It's very similar to the stories I was, the narrative I was given as a little fundamentalist Christian boy. You know, uh, the, the Economist's headline, IPC issues damning report. We are damned. But we can repent and follow the religion of Gaia, which is to, to deconstruct modernity fundamentally. And that will bring us into an eco balance with the earth. It's beautiful. I can feel my heart swell around that. I think actually we're going to get to some version of that. Uh, but in the meantime, Everything is uh, explained. All weather is explained by climate. That's one of the critiques from modernity is that weather happens. You know, how, do, how would have CNN cover the, the Dust Bowl and the droughts of the 40s and the heat waves of the 30s and 40s and the, the hurricanes of, you know, the 1900s and all of that good stuff. It, it does indeed remind myself as I go back and think about my fundamentalist training as a little Christian boy and how everything was, it's like my dear old Aunt Frances, who was the most religious of all of us. And she was a, in, in the best possible way. She was just a good, helpful person who managed all sorts of tragedies with a good heart. And everything was the good Lord this and the good Lord that, and he meant this to happen and he didn't mean that to happen. And this world is not my home and the good Lord has taken care of things. And it was the answer to every question. And that's a religion for you. And that, that's deeply satisfying to human beings. And I'm gonna to get to what I think the integral religion is in a minute. But first I do wanna uh, point out some of the critique of the, climate narrative, the green, the religion of Gaia, the green climate narrative, 
from um, the Wall Street Journal, which is sort of this, the right um, analog to the, uh, to the left New York Times. It's more complicated than that, but it's simple enough. Um, so this is a, a column by um, Stephen E. Coonan. He's a professor at New York University, and he's the author of Unsettled, What Climate Science Tells Us, What It Doesn't, and Why It Matters. And um, he was a part of the Obama administration. His book, Unsettled, has gotten a lot of attention, particularly on the right. And as he writes, this is after the IPCC report, he says, as usual, the media and politicians are exaggerating and distorting the evidence in the report. They lament an allegedly broken climate and proclaim yet again that we are facing the last best chance to save the planet from a hellish future. In fact, things aren't and won't be anywhere near that dire. And then he talks about the limits of predictive models, which is what we're working with. And he says, the latest models don't reproduce the global climate of the past. The models fail to explain why rapid global warming occurred from 1910 to 1940, when human influence on the climate were less significant, and why, Go on, and I don't want to read it all. But here at the end, he gives the report some kudos. He says, refreshingly, the report deems its highest emission scenarios of the future unlikely, even though those are the ones you'll most likely hear about in the media reports. And that's certainly true of the New York Times. They're emphasized the most dire uh, of the four different um, um, possibility scenarios that the IPC uh, proposed. The most plausible scenarios are an av average global temperature in 2100, about 2.5 degrees Celsius warmer than the late 1800s. The globe has already warmed one degree since that time and the parties of the Paris Accord arbitrarily agreed to limit for further warming to another degree. But since humanity's well-being has improved spectacularly, even as the globe warmed during the 20th century, it is absurd to suggest that an additional degree of warming over the next century will be catastrophic. In fact, the AR5 report from 2014 says even 1.5 degree of additional warming will have minimal economic impact. So that's what you know, modernity's worried about is what's the actual impact? What's the economic impact? They don't have that religion of, they certainly don't wanna um, deconstruct modernity and rationality and even the corporate world. And I think they recognized a lot of them being part of that world that green has an antipathy to any kind of corporate power in the same way that traditionalists, which is the previous stage for modernity, in the same way that they have it, just an automatic antipathy to government action. And you'll see that too. And so let's talk about the traditionalists for a minute. M modernity tries to stay away from religion in general, except for rationality. So traditionalists have terrific antibodies to the green, to the religion of Gaia. And the reason being is that they already have a religion. Thank you very much. You know, whatever it may be, Christianity or Islam or whatever, but they're not they feel put upon by the modern world in many ways. I mean, they like the goodies, they like to live the life, they can even work in modern systems. But their heart is um, at home, you know. 
and they don't worry about the world. It's a, you know, to, to the degree that you're religious, it's a fallen evil world anyway, and I'm going to a better world. And it's like Marjorie Taylor Greene said, we're all going to die. There is something about that. The traditionalists, modernists and postmodernists, they sort of deny death. I mean, that's a old, old standard critique of it. But traditionalists don't. And they have already an apocalyptic view of the world. You know, it's going to end in fire or ice one way or the other. So anyway, with that said, the traditionalists can be, um, you know, uh, related to in terms of the, the climate crisis. Uh, I, I did a podcast with Gail Hachachka a year or so ago called Climate Changes at Every Stage. And she talks about how her studies and work in El Salvador and Guatemala, she worked with farmers there, is that there is a way of dealing with uh, people, but it has to be concrete. It has to be regarding their farms, their life, and it has to be related to the present and recent path, not big um, scenarios of the future. So that's true of traditionalists in general, and even you know people our, in our families and friends that we might have who are just, they live there. They get to live there. Integral says it's beautiful to live there, but you want to take it into account. Um, also, of course, everybody will adopt cheaper, better, more efficient technologies as they come online simply because gen people generally follow their, follow their interests. So we want to do that too with traditionalists. And then, you know, in, in some ways, you have to just uh, sort of buck up and realize that in some political fights, they just have to be defeated. And they can be defeated if modernity and post-modernity get on the same page. And of course, they have, we have the great tensions between those two. So um, we, as integralists, want to just see all of that and, um, and take it all into account. And I try to do that. And what I have come up with is, you know, <laughs> a, a big uh, heaping helping of, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I sit here in the smoke from the fires. It is definitely hotter than it was when I moved to Colorado 30 years ago. Um, and that's a fact. And it's also a felt sense. Um, I don't like the aesthetics of oil and smoke and smokestacks and filth. Um, I care a lot about people who are dealing with floods and wildfires and so forth. Now, modernists, where is this one? This is from Bjorn Lomberg. There's a bunch of, I think, really a good modernist thinkers. Who, who Another uh, column in the world, Wall Street Journal, climate change doesn't call, cause all disasters. And he talks about there's actually less flooding, less um, wildfires than in the 1900s. And we have um, a fraction of the people who actually are hurt by climate disasters. Um, what's he say here? Uh, Climate-related deaths have dropped to fewer than 20,000 on average each year, even though the global population has quadrupled since the 1920s when it was half a million people a year. So, you know, that's 
you know, we want to take that into account, but every one of those is a disaster. Every one of those is a world ending, you know, and we want to feel into that. So I do, I feel into that. I want to take the modern view into perspective. I too have uh, suspicions and antibodies about green religion. Um, and, um, and I, um, and I, and I, I often talk about the law of the infinite cornucopia, which is a philosophical principle developed by, I'm trying to f remember his name, a Polish philosopher in the early 20th century. And he talked about that in his day, this is, I don't know, I think it's 1940 or something, that there is enough information available to us to support any argument that we want to uh, uh, support for whatever reason that we want to advance it. And I think that's, you know, a thousand times more true now. And that how we relate to this climate story is, it, it says as much about who we are as about what's happening out there. And that's always true. And that's a, an important insight. Of, it's actually a, an insight of green, but it's also, we want to take that insight into integral. And so, so where that puts me, at integral is I have a, a lot less certainty about what's happening and what, you know, in, in a way needs to happen, except that I'm kind of like Obama and I want all of the above. Uh, I have paid a lot of attention to what the Institute for Cultural Evolution is doing in terms of trying to sort out a actual policy position and there is a paper that has been posted on the Post-Progressive Post, which I would encourage you all to check out, written by Steve McIntosh. Uh, it's called Introduction to Our Climate Change Policy Proposal, where it is, you know, basically a version of, uh, of eco-modernism, which is a strain of ecological uh, thought that wants to use modern principles like technology, second generation nuclear, uh, if, if this is a real uh, urgent catastrophe, as the, as the green religion purports, then it seems to me nuclear ought to be on the table and not just um, the um, general re-engineering of the whole economy. But again, I'm somewhat agnostic about that, but I'm paying attention to that. And then in general, like I said, the Integral Project wants to re- um, uh, rehabilitate the religious impulse and to see that there's something bigger than what we know going on here, that there's a, you know, something blew out of nothing 13.8 billion years ago and has continued to complexify under its own power to the situation we're in now, but that, that there's a religion in there, the religion of emergence, the religion of more coming out of less, of creativity, um, that is really important. And creativity and uh, uh, it, it, what's referred to as being needs. I want to I want to be a part of the solution. You know, I want to create what's next. Is the animating energetic of second tier consciousness. And integral is the first stage of second tier consciousness. The earlier stages of consciousness are driven by fear. 
And so, so much, and certainly the religion of Gaia, which is the fundamentalist religion of hellfire and damnation, it just is. Um, that's why it, you know, it, it, it is, it is um, it's, it's based on fear. And, and I think as an in integralist, we have to realize that fear, I, I get um, very tweaked personally by um, people who I fear are trying to tweak my fear nervous system. I, I, I have allergies to it at this point. I think they're, they're appropriate allergies. It's, it's like, I'm sick of it. <laughs> but I do also appreciate that it's probably an appropriate motivator for people at first tier. It, it is. And I, I quote Al Gore in an a, a interview with NPR where he said, the language of the IPCC report was torqued up a little bit appropriately because how else do you get the attention of policymakers around the world? Yeah, fair enough. Again, I just want to take that into account. So um, here we have this moment in history. We can see that human beings have, have always protected their nest and that that nest has gotten bigger and bigger as we become more and more complex into our villages and clans and um, nations and, and now the world. And I trust that process, actually, you know. And I, I, I don't think that our metacrisis, as it's often uh, referred to, is unique in the sense that it's a metacrisis. There's, it's metacrises all the way down, if you look at history. Every stage is experienced as a metacrisis. Every change in stage is, a, is experienced as a, as a metacrisis. And so here we are in this one. And I want to bring a a creativity and a faith, not just optimism, but a faith in, um, in humanity, actually. So I'm betting on humanity to sort this out. How about that? Uh, I mentioned that I saw <laughs> in the New York Times that there's uh, some inklings of this that are, are encouraging and, and probably right on schedule. The, the, the green uh, fugue that we're in, in terms of the religion of Gaia, multiculturalism in general, um, th th these things arise and they have their peak and they sort of shed a light onto the whole system. And, and then the next thing gets to come in. And so the New York Times did two things this week, very concrete, that I liked. One is they ran a column called I don't want to spend the rest of my days grieving. And it's about, uh, it's actually pretty pessimistic in the sense that yes, the world is dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I still want to appreciate it. And I still want to take my kids out and I want to have a good time. And I don't want to have this hellfire damnation uh, story over my head every waking moment, which is what I also feel. I mean, I have my green friends here in Boulder, God bless us all. But to just say that it's a nice day, you know, how pretty, it, it, you know, it requires a contextualization of the climate eco dystopia that we're facing. And I get tired of that. So I'm happy to see that article. And then the second thing is that they hired John McWhorter, who is a uh, prominent and very effective anti spokesman for the anti-woke that um, he's gonna write two columns a week. So that's, that's pretty impressive. I, I gotta say I'm shocked by that and, and happy because 
to the degree that the New York Times does that, uh, is the degree that they are right on schedule and moving into becoming the maybe the post-progressive paper of record. I don't expect to see that in my lifetime, but I'm happy to see the integral inklings. All right. Okay. <laughs> what fun. And boy, can I prattle on. So thank you for listening and I appreciate it. And uh, you can check out all my stuff at dailyevolver.com. Uh, and also the Daily Evolver YouTube, which I'd appreciate you subscribing to if you're so inclined. Um, and the Institute for Cultural Evolution, check out what they're doing. There's a lot going on there. We just had, I'm on the board. We just had a board meeting. We're sort of in the middle of all of that and people have flown in and we're plotting and scheming, you know, the integral movement. And um, yeah, and then also the post-progressive post which explains a lot of what we're doing here. So thanks again, folks, and we'll see you next week with another edition of This Week in the New York Times. Jeff Salzman signing off. <laughs>